You're listening to RTI Audio, powered by Rocky Top Insider. This is Pancakes and Bacon with VFL, Tyler Kerbison, and Reed Bacon. Hello, Vol Nation. Welcome to another episode of Pancakes and Bacon. I'm your host, as always, Kyler Kerbison, joined with Reed Bacon. Oh, we took a little hiatus. We took a little break after the season, but it is good to be back. Um, we are talking a bunch of stuff, a lot of stuff to catch up on. Uh, some coaching changes uh, from the football team. Uh, we're talking uh, basketballs and where they're at and everything going into the SEC tournament and March Madness and what that all looks like. Uh, we're also talking to NCAA coming after the wrong folks. Let me tell you that much. Uh, so very, very exciting. So excited to be back with my boy. And without further ado, Reed, how are we doing, bud? Let's go. Yes. <laughs> we are back. We are back. We are back. Man, it feels great. I just told you off air how good you looked. Uh, I've missed you. You know, we 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 still talk often, but when we're doing the pod, we talk almost every day about different stuff, even if it's just yeah. for a quick minute or two or three-minute conversation. And now it's like we might talk once a week, and I know you've been busier with work and some stuff. But, uh, yeah, it was funny. I called you. Early in the week, I said, "Hey, man, I think we should get back on the get back on the on the pod. We got uh, March coming up, so we can hit basketball. We catch we hit, up. We, yeah, we got to hit basketball. We got to hit NCAA violations, and really, we got to get ready because spring practice is right around the the door. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Are you good with Sunday?" You're like, "Yeah, that should be fine." And then uh, week goes by. I'm calling you today after mass. I'm like, "Hey, man, like, what time's good with you?" I'm good. You let me know when's good for you, and you're like. I got to do this. I got to run these errands. How about one o'clock my time, two o'clock your time? I said, great. Then at 1.45 my time, 1.45, 20 minutes before I'm supposed to wire, I call him. I was like, hey, did you, did you get my text? You're like, no. Nah. I was like, I was just asking, like, if you were on time or if you wanted to, like, change this around. And you're like, no, I'm good to go. And I was like, okay, well, I just wanted to push it back some because I'm on the driving range. No other reason besides that. <laughs> Oh geez, yeah. Uh, maybe didn't <laughs> didn't plan accordingly. Listen, first first day back, right? <laughs> right. Give him a little leeway. First first day back into it. I I totally get it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's a good reason. There's a good reason to be practicing. I'm trying to pick up my game a little bit. I played yesterday. This is a official uh, pancakes and bacon golf talk right now. So I played nine holes yesterday. Wow. Over at Two Rivers. Um, Oh, dude. And let me tell you this, because I haven't told you this. I'm I'm playing, I'm playing nine holes over at Two Rivers. I'm go I just went by myself. It's really easy when you go by yourself and you only play nine. They will pop you in wherever. Um, so I just went by myself. It was kind of cold and windy. So there wasn't a lot of people there. So I could play alone. I didn't have to team up with some randoms. Right. There were there's a group of two that's ahead of me. And like by the time I pull up to the first tee, they're already on the green. So I'm like, this is not going to be an issue. I'm not going to really go fast. Like I'll hit two balls off nice. of the tee box because it's like I got time. So I'm playing. I get done with the first hole. The second hole comes and they like finish putting. I'm like, okay, I'm going to clean off my ball, like clean off a couple of balls of the, the ball cleaner for a second. And then they just start waving me in like – you you come on as in a way to like come past us right play through and i'm like uh okay like i really wasn't ready to hit yet so now i gotta kind of like rush it's not a good shot on a three across water i barely get over the water and then i have to hit another one i two putt so i'm like i get a bogey on the hole and then i'm just like uh, okay so i go up to the next tee i have headphones on like I have big headphones on. Like I'm like, I'm in my zone. I'm playing my game. And they're, you know, hey, big guy. Hey, big guy. Like, you can go ahead. And, you can probably drive the green. And I'm like, no, I freaking can't. <laughs> Just because I'm a big dude doesn't mean I can play golf well. So I, I'm i like, okay, hurry up. Like hurry T, first hit, straight right into the bushes. Lose the ball. And I'm like, 
okay, let me hit another one, hit another one. And it, it, it gets like five feet off the ground and then just like trickles like a hundred yards away. And I'm like, okay, this is fantastic. I'm just doing this in front of strangers. They immediately tee off right after me. And I'm like, what, like, what are, what's going on here? Like, if you like, I don't want to play with you guys. And then they just like keep playing as I'm playing. Like we're part of a group now. And I was just like, no. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, what so what happened? How would you say? So like I I like kept playing and I ended up on like the right side of of the hole, like on the right side of the fairway. They both ended up on the left side of the fairway, and then they got up to the green before me, and he was like, "All right, like you can like come on and hit up." And I was like, "You know what? Don't worry about it. You guys just keep playing. I'll stay back. I'm not in a rush. Just do your thing." And then they're like, oh, yeah, okay. And I literally just turn away and I'm like, you fucking pieces of shit. Like, I'm just like under my breath, just like you freaking assholes. I literally quadruple bogeyed the hole. And I'm just like, you threw me off my entire game. I was not ready for this. You made me go fast. I was hitting crappy shots that were like 20 yards ahead. It took me like four shots to get on the green. I I was just, I, I was infuriated. And I'm like, you guys don't even, you're trying to be courteous and you can't even figure that shit out. So that's a tough scene. That, that, that yeah. is, that is tough because they were, I'm assuming probably like 50 year old dudes. Yeah, probably there's probably. Like one older guy and then one that was closer to our age, but probably still like 38. Yeah. So they were trying to be nice. And they were like, oh, we'll let Big Fella come and play with us. It'll be great. And there's some people in your position that would have loved it. They would have started talking with them and going. But, like, I'm very much like you. I think the headphones, they need to read the room a little bit. (laughs) No kidding. You know, so it's like, but that's where, that's where, and and it's a, it's a, it is never, ever fun. Well, let me, let me take that back. It is sometimes fun when someone waves you through, because if you've been sitting and waiting on them, and you start getting a little, a little, a little fussy. And yeah. like, this, this is going to be one of the most uh, tuff, tough, tough, tough comments I've ever made on the podcast. And I don't mean it to sound like that at all. I don't. But that is one thing I've gotten very spoiled about at playing at a country club. They do very good job of pacing people. But, but, but the other thing is, I always, I in the summer, I don't tee off usually until like five or six o'clock. Even if I'm playing eighteen, I'll tee off at like four thirty. Because yeah. I like playing as the sun goes down, and no one's hardly ever out there. So I am not used to um, having to wait. Right, and I'm fine to wait a little bit. Don't don't get don't get me wrong. I'm fine to wait a little bit if if people are like actually doing what they're supposed to do. But there's a time if I'm waiting too long because they are acting like fools and no one's holding them up and they're slow and they're playing bad. But then they're doing stupid stuff. It's like yo, my back can't take this. Like I might as well just hit hit the showers. Um, <laughs> So, pack it up <laughs> yeah 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 really but so that's tough all i guess all you could have done is when they waged through like no i'm good i'm good yelled and be like it's after the good. first hole i'm yeah. like guys did, did, did i haven't put any pressure on them it's not like i'm riding up on them i'm like yeah. you guys are good don't don't worry about me and it was fine fine the rest of the day there was never a time where i felt like i had to wait for them or I was like right up on them. Never felt like that. Well, how'd you how'd you end up playing after that? That is that is very that I don't know if you're like me, but I have to try to keep a really good vibe the entire day of golfing. If something like that happens, it's very hard yeah. for me to kind of settle back in. Sometimes I I finished with uh, plus ten through nine, so that's not terrible. Not bad. Like no. I'm I'm you know I would say more towards like a. 30 handicap than I am a 20. So like it was more lining up like a 20 and I, that, that felt pretty good. Like, you know, if I'm in the nineties, like that's a good day. Um, and I had two pars. So I was like, all right, I'll take that. Yeah, that's great. And, and realistically you did that and like one and a half of the whole shit in accounting because you are trying to, it's, it's brutal when you have to screw me. 
you're never you're, you're the two times that people you're rarely ever going to hit a good shot in golf as an amateur if you're you know a, a 12 to 18 to whatever handicap is when someone goes like this and you got to hit and they're either watching or waiting yeah. or or when you're right on that fringe of wanting to go for it and they're on the green and you're sitting there waiting and waiting and they finally clear and it's like you have about an 8% chance to hit this good and get there. It That other 92%, you're topping it. It's a, not a good shot. That's why if, I, if I'm if i playing a par five and someone's on, I'm like, F it. I'm just going to lay up because that's the better play for my game. Lay up, yeah. use my wedge, and then hit in. Because if I'm waiting to go for it, guess what? Nothing good's happening. <laughs> no, it's never so, going to be good. So, but anyways, yeah, I was down there at the range and um, – it's the second rain session I've had of the year. I hadn't touched clubs in four months because uh, I usually don't even start practicing really until the end of March. But, but big news since we went, we met last, I dropped down to one knee on Friday night at Sacred Heart after uh, after uh, Stations of the Cross because we're in Lent, and I dropped to a knee and I asked uh, Megan to marry me. And she said yes. So this she is said uh, no, of course. Where <laughs> he got turned down, he's very depressed. Everyone cheer him up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, Kyler, it's a, uh, it's an incredible, incredible feeling. It it really, really is. I uh, I got a funny story to tell, and I'm not going to do it on this pod, but it's unbelievably funny of what happened during the 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 proposal. I had everything mapped out. It didn't go according to plans. I'll tell it never on the next does. one. It never, ever does. I'll, I'll tell it on the next one. I'll tell it on the next one, I promise, because it's it's very funny. Um, but uh, so, therefore, like, I was like, there was multiple emotions going on there. But then after everything, and she and I went to dinner together, and we were sitting there kind of reminiscing, and I was tearing up right there in the – uh, in the restaurant, we were having our special moment then, but like, you, you know, I, she knew this was coming. I knew this was coming. We've known a long time that like we are who we, you know, we wanted to be together and stuff like yeah. that, but, but it's still, it's still a, a special process and wild process, but you know, being 32, I'll be 33 in May, you know, compared to like guys like you and Tyler and some of our other buddies that got married when they were 25, 26, 27. And, and I always thought that I, I wanted that. Um, and as I got older, you're like, Hey, like, you know, you get a little, Hey, when's it going to happen? Is it going to happen? This, that, and I've always, always, always gone back to my faith. The Lord has always blessed me beyond beliefs. And, uh, he did it again, but in, in a massive way. So it's, uh, it's cool. But you but I mean you can you can get it. Like when you start getting up in age a little bit, because you were married by like twenty-five, weren't you? Uh twenty-two. <laughs> yeah. Uh twenty-three. Okay. Yeah, twenty-three. Uh, okay. I had twenty-three two days before I got married. What'd you say? I turned twenty-three two days before I got married. Yeah, but you'd already graduated college. You're plus you're younger for your grade too. Yeah, I just graduated from my master's program a month and a half before. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, we started, we started dating each other when I was 15. Yeah. So, you know, it's a little different. Like that's eight years we were together before we got married. So. Which is cool. I think, I think that is one of the coolest things in the world is like the high school sweetheart thing. I, I really, really do. Um, but yeah, so it's been a great weekend, unbelievable weekend. Um, so that was great. And one of the reasons I am practicing golf is because we we had actually already had the bachelor party planned because we knew we knew the wedding was coming. I had to wait for that the ring to get made and all that stuff. And then I had the ring for about two weeks before I even asked the question. Not because I didn't want to sit on it and wait, but we had other life events happening. That yeah. I, like one weekend was like one of her best friends is getting married and we're at the rehearsal dinner and the wedding on Friday and Saturday. It's like I, I can't I'm not doing it then. No, you're not taking away from that. Right, exactly. So it's like I had to wait, uh, but we we've already had the bachelor party planned, and we're going to Pinehurst, and uh, it's going to be incredible. But your boy's definitely like, well, if I'm going to be playing, you know, multi, you know, I guess we're playing like eight, seven, or eight 
no wait, two, four, six, like six or seven rounds at Pinehurst in a yeah. three day span. Then I was like, I need to get, I need to get ready. Here's, here's two things. Here's two things that I'm worried about. Right. I am self-admitted probably the worst golfer of the group. Um, Tyler might be a little bit worse than me just cause he doesn't have time to play. Uh, so one, I need to try not to embarrass myself, and two, I got to prep for my back, dude. Like playing thirty six holes every every day, like three, four days in a row, that's going to be a lot. Like I need a stretch routine before, stretch routine between, and after. Do they have an ice bath? Do they have a hot tub? I'm gonna I'm gonna need to treat this like it's freaking practice in 2015 and grandpa curbs is trying to trying to make it through the grueling training camp in august that's how i need to treat treat it hey no joke no that's one of the reasons i've been just getting swings in to see how my back's been feeling and i think a couple things so the first one we're playing is pinehurst number two which is wild that we're starting off with a banger with the best one to get roasted yeah so but the great thing is is that one that course because they're having the u.s open there this year is it it's cart path only, or you can walk, or you can walk with a caddy. And I do think that walking, and I'm not going to get a caddy, but doing a push cart, I think walking is going to help my back stay pretty loose. But yeah, I've already been thinking about it. I was like, if it comes to it, and I've played 36 the first day, then we play the next nine the next morning, and then we're going into our next 18. If I have to, the group that I'm with, we'll, we'll let the people that want to play their own ball do their own thing. But like, if you and I and Logan and like someone else or like Tyler, we're like, you know, hey, we'll just go play old man scramble. Like I'm Gucci with it. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Like, it's mm. going to be fine with me. Like, I don't have, I don't have to play my own ball every single time. So, yeah. because if not, like my back will, would literally just, just get wrecked. Exactly. And, and driving there and driving back. It's not, it's not a great recipe. We're old men now. We got to be careful. Yeah. And that's, and you know, it's funny that you mentioned about, I already knew that I would be doing a bunch of stretching and all that and have my foam rollers and bands. Obviously they have a workout room there, but I didn't even think about that. Like when we finish playing the second round before we get ready for dinner, if you and I can go hit a sauna or a ice bath or something like that. You know, oh, if, yeah. it, and even if even if the condo that we're staying at, because you you're going to be in my condo, it's like if we got to go get a bunch of ice bags from a, a gas station. Put you it know, in the tub. yeah. So uh, anyways, so, yeah, it's um, but yeah, it's been it's been uh, it's been awesome. It's been awesome. I, I can't be more excited. But I say all that to say, you know, do you how, how have you been? I know you, you know, I know there's some stuff going on with you and the wife and stuff like that. And uh all good. I mean, we uh, we right now are starting to possibly looking into investment uh, homes. So trying to find something that maybe we can fix up and resell later down the road. Uh, you know, I'm about three years in full time into the job that I'm in and project manager. Uh, so I've started to really kind of learn the ins and outs of construction and what kind of needs to happen and go into it. Um, so it feels like we can really take advantage of that. The connections that I have, the people that I know and like my knowledge base, I, I do think that like I can figure out how to do some things. Like I should be able to, you know, put some stuff together, put some trim up, install some tile, like, some good stuff. Uh, so yeah, we're just looking into looking into different homes, trying to find something that works for us, and it's been fun, but also very stressful. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it that I did not even realize, um, and uh, you know, there's also just the uh, what is this going to look like, right? Like, how much is this going to cost? What like? do we want to add a room here? Do we want to take out a wall there? Do we want to try and turn this into a laundry? Like, it's just like that whole thought process. I'm like, Whoa, we got a lot. There's a lot to go th to do to go into this. And, um, but it's exciting. It's, it's cool. It's, Hey, we're growing up. Mm -hmm. 
isn't it weird too that as we grow up like we get excited about uh like doing home improvement stuff instead of like waking up on a saturday in the spring you know not when football's going on or whatever and it's like you know, when you're younger, you're like, oh, I'm ready to go play Xbox or I'm ready to go hang out with my friends or ready to go play golf. And it's like, man, I can't wait to get up and really uh, do some landscaping and, and get this, uh, get this, you know, get the yard looking good. Yeah, you know? that's right. You know, because I, I mean, it's hard work, but some of that stuff can be enjoyable. Um, no, I can't. It, it, you got to have the right attitude about it, man. Like, yeah. you just got to be like, hey, I'm going to take pride in what yeah. I got going on. Yeah. And then you can really, really do it well. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, but anyways, let's, uh, let's get into the coaching changes. Um, I'm excited to, first off, I I don't know how much you've been locked in or keeping up with stuff since we haven't been doing this. You know, I don't know how much basketball you've been watching. I don't know how much stuff you've been reading. I did, I have given up Twitter, uh, for Lent again. So that's, hurts my sports knowledge i'm going to like the espn app trying to find stuff i'm going to the nfl app trying to find stuff it's like where i get all my news man (laughs) is twitter yeah yeah i know i know i feel like i'm in the dark and like sometimes it's a good thing other times i'm like i i don't i'm missing stuff sports wise but anyways so what do you think about the coaching changes uh so first you even really looked into it i what i hadn't like like i hadn't researched it or anything but i had always i'd seen it as i'm on twitter or X, I should say, uh, and just noticing it. Oh, yeah, this, you know, Jerry Mack goes to the NFL. They bring in guy from Cincinnati. Um, Darrell Sims. Darrell Sims. And, you know, I see it on the – I see it on Twitter or something like that, and, you know, I don't don't necessarily have a reaction right away because it's, it's also like – as we're watching, as we're going throughout the season, as we're breaking down film and and studying the Vols, uh, like in no way, shape, or form am I going, that Jerry Mack is really what's making the di- – like I'm just – I'm talking about the players. I'm talking about what they're doing. I'm talking about Coach Heupel and his leadership. Um, but – what the running back room has been able to do the past few years is really remarkable. I think the growth in Jalen Wright was kind of wild. Like, didn't I honestly didn't know if it was going ever going to happen? And that is a testament to a coach in a room making sure a guy is confident in himself and is able to grow as a player. Um, so I think Jerry Mack did a very good job with that. What I am wondering is how much was it Jalen Wright being like, I'm going to take the pride in myself and I'm not going to be a fumbler. Like, I'm not going to be that guy. Or, you know, Jabari Small being like, I'm going to be a workhorse for this team. Or Dylan Sampson being like, I'm going to take advantage of my opportunities. I, you know, there's no telling how much it could be one guy or the other. What is really a good part about getting a new position coach um, that people might not necessarily think of when it happens. And this is a lot bigger for the linebacker position, which we'll talk about, but every guy in that room has to introduce himself again to the coach. They know nothing about you. They don't know what kind of worker you are. They don't know what kind of leader you are. They don't know how smart you are, how athletic you are. They don't know anything about you. So what, like you have to step up and show them who you are. It gives every guy in the team level, like every guy in that room level playing field, right? How are you going to set yourself up differently than the guy next to you? If you want to start, here's your opportunity. Because in his eyes, Someone told him, hey, this might be the starting running back next year, but it's open season. It is open season. He comes to that room and goes, I don't know who's going to start, but I like you guys look pretty good. Let's see what happens out in the practice field. Well, I'm going to I'm going to give you I'm going to give every single one of you guys reps because I want to know. I want to know who the running back is in this room. Who's RB1? So I, I, a lot I, of times I, guys might not see it that way, but it's a perfect opportunity. I like that you're kind of talking about it from the coach. I mean, from the player side of it, um, 
I, I'll say this. I completely understand um, Jerry Mack leaving. I, I am – I am the first to say that as much as I love coaching and I would love to coach, if I had made that decision to chase that life, you know, to chase that dream and to be in that lifestyle, I would leave for the NFL immediately. And I would have done it immediately. I would have done it before the NIL stuff happened because I just wouldn't have wanted to have to do all the recruiting nonsense. Mm. And because the, and I, I hate to say it like that, building a relationship with with the uh, the younger you know younger kid coming out of high school, bringing him to your uh, college, being there for him, helping him, and watching that that's that's. But that's not what you're doing. I know, I know. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's not what you're doing in recruiting. I, what you're doing is telling a kid that you think is an asshole that he's the best thing on earth. I know, and that's just because he has five stars next to his name. And not and not necessarily like I I wouldn't necessarily like. Your job is still to bring in the best talent. Now, I don't have to lie to them if I you don't necessarily think that they're the best talent or or whatever the case. So I get it, but that's what I, I was going to say. If I finished, it was I could I could take pride in recruiting that kid, being there for him, watching him grow and, and mature. But it's like that stuff gets taken away when they have an attitude, or their family has an attitude, or they are snakes in the grass about stuff. So it's like. I say all that to say I understand Jerry Mack leaving, and I don't think it's an indictment on on um, on Tennessee at all. If no. you see, if you see all the stuff that's going on right now, where the guys are jumping ship to go to the NFL for lesser roles, or a Chip Kelly who's like, I don't want to be a head coach. Let me just go run my offense and dip out of here. I I, I totally understand that, and so so I, I get Jerry Mack leaving, and I also get uh, Brian John Marie leaving. Um, He's uh, matter of fact, I was out making drops and seeing my clients and stuff the day kind of the news broke and uh, was listening to the radio and was able just to kind of hear the facts. It's like I don't I don't really care necessarily uh, about certain opinions. Um, I guess we'll just make our own decisions based on how the coaches do once they're here. I think only thing that you want to hear about uh, opinion based. Well, I guess it technically shouldn't be opinion based is if they're a good recruiter. But anyways, I yeah. wanted to, I wanted to hear the facts. I wanted to be like, is it more money? And it was, and he got a third year compared to two years, and he has some tie up there. Now, the one thing I disagreed about was they said if he goes there and the defense coordinator they brought in, uh, who's the longtime NFL one, who was just with the Giants, got pissed and left because him and Dayball got into it. But if he's there now and they're saying if he does a really, really good job, then he's back in the NFL next year. And Brian John Marie could be then take over defense coordinator. I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Guess what? He could have also potentially done that here. Tim Banks has gotten a look at uh, the head coaching job this year. He lost out, you know, to Derek Mason at MTSU. Now, I'm not saying he was the second place and Derek Mason was first. I'm just saying he yeah. interviewed that job. So I kind of didn't agree with that. It's like he has just a good opportunity for Tim Banks to get a head job here maybe that one's like 50% chance and there it's like 75 because the guy I mean, it feels, it feels very much like it leans towards the other shit that he has to deal with as a college coach. Like what you, what you started the conversation with, like it, the NFL versus college, it's like, you're dealing with professionals, you're no, coaching man. grown men, right? Yeah. Like you're not, right. you're not having to deal with all that political crap. No. And that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm, but, but Brian John Marine went to Michigan. So I'm saying for 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 Jerry Mack, I understand. Gotcha. I'm going okay. Jerry Mack going to the NFL. Understand it. Brian John Marie leaving Tennessee for linebackers coach to Michigan. You're like, oh, is that is that bad for us? It's like, well, they just won the national championship. He has ties up there. They gave him another year on his contract. He's making more money. And then the only thing I disagreed with was that they were saying, oh, he has a really good opportunity after one year to maybe be the DC. I'm like. Yeah, he could have maybe had that same opportunity here. But I say all that to say with the new individuals, I catch myself being like, okay, yeah, it's a running back coach, like whatever, like how hard is it to coach backs? But I don't want to be that naive or that, um, you know, I do think that a, a quarterback's coach, an offensive line coach, a secondary's coach, like those are a little bit more important than like running back or receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think linebackers are, you know, is a pretty important one. Um, so I don't want to get to that. It's like, yeah, it's just a running back coach. We still got Heifel. You know, we still have Tim Banks. Like, 
that's what I'm good with. And so that's where I was going to stop myself and be like, Hey, obviously we do need them to be good. We re- we definitely need them to be good recruiters, but I wanted to put it back on you. Mm-hmm. You were there five years and you had multiple different offensive line coaches. So you can speak to the level if you thought you had one that was better than another. Yeah. And I think. Not to, yeah. and not that you have to name names. I'm just, you know. No, I mean, I think it's, I think it's your position coach is the one that you're with the most as a player. So it, to me, is very important if those position coaches can connect with the players and get them the most motivated and want to do the most. Uh, There is a kind of generic way of teaching positions that everyone knows. And I don't mean to say that in like a, you know, football's not that hard kind of way, but it's like, listen, every offensive line coach is telling you where to place your hands and it's all the same, right? Every every running back coach is telling you where to like transfer your weight on a cut. Every wide receiver coach is teaching you how to drop your hips when you're at the top of your break. Like those are all very generic in the way of like, this is how you be an athlete, really. Like this is the way you're supposed to do it. They might have a little bit of different, hey, I have a different kind of drill that helps to keep your head out of it in pass pro as an offensive lineman. But every offensive line coach teaches every offensive lineman to keep their head out of it. That's just what you get taught. Now, not every offensive line coach can make a guy perform his best on a Saturday. Some aren't very good. Some are rah-rah guys that can get a lot out of people. Some are MFers who just scream at you all the time. And some guys are motivated by that. Some guys curl into a little ball. And it's like, you got to be able to connect with them. I I think that was the biggest difference between the three offensive line coaches I had. It wasn't necessarily, hey, here's this technique and how you teach it. It was, hey, man, I'm going to get the best I possibly can out of you by motivating you and having you be confident in yourself. Um, And that's where the difference in my play, I felt like, changed. So. Yeah, because like you said, those hopefully those coaches understand that Kyler needs to be coached this way, Reed needs to be coached this way, and so and so needs to be coached that way. And it's yeah. you, that because I I was thinking about it while making that analogy. You know, it's like playing football. We're gonna make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know, you're gonna get you're gonna get your bread, and you're gonna have some sort of jelly, some sort of peanut butter smacked together. Yeah. Now, all had some good ones and we've all had some ones that we just had to choke down because we needed something. It's like, what does that coach like? What kind of jelly is he bringing? What kind of toast is he bringing? How's he tell you to spread it? Like all that different stuff. And there are, so there is. You there? Yeah. I just went in and out real quick, but there are some different tricks of the trade um, to little show you stuff, but I, and, and it's harder to do when you are younger um, you know, high school, it's a little bit more difficult. College, you start maturing a little bit, probably in, in NFLs where these guys do it a lot, but where you take stuff from each coach. And it's like, hey, I really mm-hmm. like that. That makes sense to me. Then you got another coach. And so it's like kind of piecemealing that all together. So it, the, 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 all the coaches are important. But then again, you also have to remember, and I trust our head man in charge, Nick, um, Josh Heupel. And just like Nick Saban, no matter who came in, I could go coach running backs at Alabama and, and Nick Saban's going to sit me down and be like, this is what I want you to teach them. This, this, and this. Now, you know, he might even say, I want you to do these type of drills, or he could say, Hey, I don't necessarily, I'll let you get some freedom on how you want to go about it. Show, but like, they have to do this, this, and this. And if they don't, they're not going to play type. Exactly. So it's like, so it's like, I, I'm, I'm not worried about it because I trust Hypo. Uh, but really the only thing I care about is like, Hey, just, can you, can you relate and can you recruit? And, and that's, that's, I think the, the, the biggest thing now, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And it was nice to be like taking it from, from Alabama, you know, it just, that just felt kind of nice. 
Oh, the uh, linebackers coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, so, so, and I haven't read up a ton on, but for our linebackers coach, it's it's uh, William Ing. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I don't know if you've heard. I, yeah, I don't know. I heard, talking, I heard people talking about when it first came through, and now I, I can't remember what they said. I, I will say this. I will say this. I do like the fact that, I mean, he was just a defensive coordinator for a team that went to the national championship. Uh, that's so, true. That so team is not known for their great defense, though. So, but, but Kyler, but Kyler, when I watched it, I, I don't remember being like, what the is this? Like they're getting <laughs> absolutely exposed. I thought they still did some really, really nice stuff. I mean, they had a really nice edge rusher. I thought they played fast and physical. Like it wasn't, yeah. uh, it wasn't like a 2012 or 2013 South and Sarah type defense. And so it's like, there was still stuff. There was still stuff that I saw that I liked about, about their defense. So. I mean, you didn't have to bring up that defense, Jesus, man. Loves you, but I given the I was giving the Tennessee fans uh, something they can remember. So, I mean, and and looking at his thing, he was D coordinator at Fresno State, and then he's co defensive coordinator at Washington. So it's like when you've had that ability, and yeah. Just it's and Tim Banks brings him in and doesn't necessarily feel threatened. Like, hey, this guy could be taking my job. It's like, no, like I want more brain power here. I want more you know, opinions, all that stuff. So, uh, mm-hmm. like I said, ultimately, they just got to be able to go recruit, and, and I like that. So, exactly. uh, let's talk. I'm very excited to talk basketballs. How how much how, how much of the games have you been watching through the season? Zero. <laughs> really? I have not watched a full game through. This entire season. <laughs> You've just seen like highlights and clips and stuff? I've seen highlights and I've seen clips and I know that Dalton Connect is like the second coming and this team will win and will lose when they're not supposed to. So that's it it is the perfect time to jump in, I think. Coming off a Texas AM win. Uh, leading into the SC tourney, we're number one in the SEC right now. I think it's a great time to jump in, and I just have a feeling that as soon as I do, we are going to lose, and things are going to go awry, and it's going to be bouncing around, and I don't know what's going to happen. It this season, I've been like. Oh, I saw that. Oh, I saw this. Oh, we're actually doing pretty well. And then I'm like, you know what? Maybe I might go watch. Maybe I might start watching the games and then we'll lose to Arkansas or just a rant. Like, you'll just lose on a Thursday. And then I'm like, oh, well, maybe not. Maybe I'll wait. Like, I won't get into it. And I'll tell you this. The last time I did really well on a March Madness bracket, I did not watch a single game. I swear that was the last time I did well on a mark. Like picked like two of the teams in the final four. Didn't watch a single game. Was just like mm, that looks good when I was picking them. So maybe that happened. will turn out the same. That's how it happened. So I've been very honest when we were going year round with the pod and talking about different stuff, and we were talking hoops, and uh, we we all know how I feel uh, about uh, Rick. Ricky. And uh, and and March, um, I I don't want to yeah. be a brick. I do. I love the fact that it's. Um, I, I I like the fact that he's a good guy. Uh, I, I I respect the fact that he talks about his faith, but that he does run a good program. If he is cheating, obviously he's not getting caught. But <laughs> he, he he runs a good program, and so I I I like those things. I don't want to beat him up, but as as a as a guy. But, like, as a coach, there are still some slight frustrations. But his lack of winning in March has just done it to me to where I don't get excited. And I just now – I've been watching the games since – I've been watching them off and on probably since, you know, January. Yeah. And it's just now been where I feel like I'm enjoying college basketball as a whole, where I'll sit down. Like, there were times – a month, like a, a couple weeks ago, I would see a good game on. I'm like, I have no desire to watch this. Like, I'm laying in bed, about to go to bed. I'm not watching this game. Like, I'm gonna go watch King of Queens reruns. Like, I just, I just wasn't into college hoops yet, and now I have been. I've, I've gotten back in the swing of it. I've been to a couple games. So, I went to the uh, the Bama game a couple weeks back. 
which we absolutely throttled them, throttled them. And so that was a great win. And then I went last night to Texas A&M game, and it was Kyler. That atmosphere was was amazing. It was it was simply amazing. And not that I mean I've been to tons and tons of basketball games in my life. I've been to tons of them. I went to the I was at the 06 uh, when we beat Florida and stormed the court. Like you know I've been at a lot of the Alabama, a lot of the Kentucky. When Kentucky's been really good, I've been to the Auburn, when Auburn's come back. So, like, I've been to a lot of good atmospheres, but it's funny that I was sitting there last night, and I'm like, this place is unbelievable. I mean, I, they were they were so rowdy and so loud. And I know it's a Saturday night game, so even if it's not a, a big game, like, people were just excited to be there. But then, like, the fact that Texas A&M did whip us on national te- television a couple weeks back, and, like, you do want to get that revenge and you want to play well – but that crowd was in it from start to finish. I mean, the crowd was just like going bonkers and beside itself at the refs and at the game. And it's there's like still 12 minutes to go in the first half. I'm like, do you people need to like, uh, like, like settle down and like let's save let's, some of that. Save right, right. Like let's let's ease into this. And then in the second half, there's like 12 minutes to go, and the place is just going bonkers and erupting, and you think it's like a three-point game, and you look up, and Tennessee's up by like 18. <laughs> and it's just like it was relentless. And so I was just shaking my head, bro. I was like, I was like, golly, Vol Nation, man, they never cease to amaze me. I was like, it's incredible. Listen, I mean, there's so many examples of it. There's so many times that it's happened. There's so many things that this fan base has been able to accomplish that – and, you know, we can keep talking basketball, but, like, that is why, like, the NCAA stuff and, like, I'm just like, y'all are barking up the wrong MF and tree, bud. <laughs> like, this ain't, this ain't the one. We you, know, ain't, you ain't that guy, bud. You ain't that guy, bud. <laughs> you know, Tennessee, I even get frustrated with our fans some, too, but it's, like, the same thing that frustrates you is the same thing that like makes them great. I mean, you know what I mean? Like we're not the fan base that is up 20 on Texas A&M and everyone's kind of now chillaxing, sitting back. It's like, no, we want blood. And, and that's one of the reasons. And it's one of the major reasons that Tennessee is such a great university for college athletics. It, it, It truly is. And so anyways, um, you know, getting to see Dalton connect and uh, get to watch him a couple times in person is great. Um, to talk about him for a minute, I, I have I have buddies. I have like five buddies that would vouch for me. The night after we played Wisconsin, which was freaking November, I think, or December, and we watched it. And I watched Dalton. And on Xbox Live later that night, I said, "Guys, like, I'm not trying to be prisoner of the moment or anything." I was like, "But he's the best scorer I've seen in my lifetime at uh, in." Um, at UT. And they were kind of like, uh, and then they were like, you know, Grant Williams, da, 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 like maybe Chris Lofton. And these guys are like knowledgeable sports guys. I mean, one of, one of my buddies, he played college, college basketball division one, and he coached with Conzo Martin out in Cal. So it's like, I, I really respect his opinion. And like, I wanted to hear who he said. And I said, like, I'm not talking best, best player, but I'm just saying score because he can do it at all three levels. You know, Chris Lofton was a good scorer, but he was a stroker, you know, exactly. Grant Grant Williams was more, you know, inside, inside 15 foot. He could drive it to the rack. And there was a couple big time threes. And so you're thinking about it. And then like a great scorer who wasn't necessarily a great player, but a guy could score the ball was, um, you know, George, uh, Jordan McRae. And then you had uh, Josh Richardson, who his senior year was just a darn good player. But I'm watching Dalton connect that early. And I'm like, the guy that can do it at all three levels, he can absolutely stroke from deep. He's athletic enough to beat you on a dribble and pull up a little 12-footer right in your grill, or he can go right in and smash on you or lay up. I was like, I've never seen. And so that's one of the reasons I have probably started getting back into it more this year, earlier in the year than I would have, because I'm like, I want to watch, I want to watch Dalton. And I think that's the biggest difference in this team compared to previous Rick Barnes teams, previous Tennessee teams, just in general, like, it's always it it I I feel a vibe from Tennessee basketball that we've we've never been able to have the difference maker on our team. 
the NBA, they've never been able to have the guy that takes over that really lets us flourish in the SEC tournament or in March Madness. Like it's always we're a pretty good team. We play good defense. We have a f- couple guys who can score, but they're not consistent. Um, and this team just feels a little bit different, right? Like this is the best, I would say, offensive team since like Admiral and Grant, for yeah, sure. And I don't want to know. I'll, I will say this: I knew I know how great Grant was. I do, but I I'll even say when I was talking to my buddies that night, I went back on YouTube and watched. And if you go back and watch some Grant Williams highlights from UT, there was a couple of times I'm laying on my couch and I'm like, "Dang, bro!" Like, I, apology. Like, I forgot how. Like, I knew he was really good. But I go back and watch some stuff. I'm like, dude was absolutely nasty. I mean, he was back-to-back SEC player of the year, which is fantastic. But I, I'm saying mm-hmm. – I was like I said, Dalton – I'm just talking about Dalton as a scorer, not as an overall player, but also as a NBA prospect guy. I mean, we haven't had a, an individual like that who could translate his game. Now, I was a little surprised that Grant went first round, but I thought he went to a great place when he went to Boston. And Grant's been better in the NBA than I thought he would. Um and Kennedy Chandler, I thought, was a fantastic ball player, fantastic ball player. And he was really good in college, but his size did limit him a little bit. Yeah. To really just take over, take over. Yeah. Um, but, but, but like, and another player to, to kind of, so I've enjoyed watching Dalton. I want to see what this team does because, unfortunately, it's still like, hey, enjoy the regular season, but ultimately it just matters what you do in the big tournament. Like, we have consistently been – over the past, I mean, five, six, seven, five, six years now, where we've been ranked number one, anywhere between number one and top ten, and so it's like it's not that ma- it's not that much to ask to say we need mm-hmm. to finish the year as an elite eight, top eight team, or we need to finish the year's top four. There has been multiple times in Rick Barnes' thing that we hover between one and ten. We're, I mean, we're number yeah. five, number one, number whatever. I mean, I think it's very much like you've done well enough. You're resetting your expectations every time you do well. And now we want you to push past them, right? You push past one ceiling. Let's push past the next one, right? Tennessee basketball was never seen as a top tier program. It was never seen as the top of the SEC. Kentucky was always the top of the SEC. Now Rick Barnes is here consistently beating Kentucky. It's like, hey, what, what tier are you stepping into now, Tennessee? Right, you won an SEC championship a couple of years ago. What what's the next step? Yeah, and that's why it's like get you got to get through March for us and to it, feel good about this. And I think it's tough for people of our age because I mean, growing up with Bruce, I mean, when when UT basketball is a joke, and that guy comes in when I'm in middle school, and the play, I mean, we just turn awesome, and yeah. plus it's a really fun style of basketball. And he and he and he can win. I mean, he can have a very mediocre year, and then in the tournament, and you look up, and Auburn's playing in the national championship or the or the Final Four, excuse me, against Virginia, and it's like that's what he does, and that's mm-hmm. that is what you're going to remember more. Not that we don't enjoy uh, sweeping Kentucky because that's awesome, but like we're not going to remember beating, um, you know, like a Gonzaga was a huge win, but that Gonzaga we beat them and we became number one, but that's in December. It's like. Yeah, that's yeah. cool, but that, that ultimately doesn't mean anything. Like, I want to – you know, so so it is. The other thing before we get off basketball, besides how impressed I was with that atmosphere last night, I love big man play. We all know, if you've listened to this, like, I love Tobey Awaka so much. But I have to shout out Jonas Adu or Jonas Adu, however you say his first name, how much better he's gotten – is insane. And Kyler, wait till you start actually watching games. The dude is like a double double machine now. They they work it into him like he like if he was a Grant Williams. Like they pass it in and let him go to work and he'll turn little bunny. His little oh, 15 no. footer is so butter and so smooth. Last night he's rim rum uh rim running, catching oops, dunking on people, blocking shots like and I said it last night in my group text I said dude's our second best player. Like, and if he's not our second-best player, he's tied for our second-best player. I, I truly think that Dalton Connect and then Jonas Adu is it's him or he's tied with Zachai Ziegler because I know Double Z, um, he's just got that little clutch gene. He always comes up with a sweet steal or a three when you need it, and he's mm-hmm. the head of the snake. So I get it. I 
he's more important. But, I mean, actually best other player, I'm thinking of Jonas Adu. And this this season, this March, the, the, the best chance we have is as long as Adu keeps playing that way, which I think he will. So I think Dalton Connect's going to get his. Doesn't have to be 30. But if he gets, he's going to get his 18 to 25. You get him. You get Adu still rocking a double-double. You're going to get Zakai Ziegler. Even if he doesn't put up a lot of points, he's going to make winning basketball plays. It's crazy to, to think that they should absolutely do this. But, like, the March run is going to come down to just Triple J and Santi. If those guys just give you eight – to 9, 10, 11 points, hit down some timely threes, play some good stuff. Santi doesn't have one of his boneheaded turnovers. Like, they're going to they're gonna make a deep run because I trust those other three. And it's yeah. like, it's crazy to think that Santi's been here nine years. Triple J's been here nine years. <laughs> he was a five-star, and you're like, hey, man, just all we need is you to play three good games in March. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I absolutely – love the the build of the team where it's like you got guys who have been here forever and then you also just have like these random transfers and Dalton connect like it's like oh this is nice like it was always you either had guys that weren't that good that you coached into being better or they got better after three or four years or you had the top 10 15 guys out of a class and they were freshmen like that was the only way to build teams in college basketball, and now it's totally different. Now yeah. you got a eclectic group of of different players, and that just makes it all the more exciting and all the more like, whose year is it going to be? I mean, this is, I think this is a wild year in basketball where you there's not a team right now that I look at that I'm confident they will win five, however many games in a row in the tournament. And I would have said UConn until I, matter of fact, I teased this team up, uh, but I'm watching the other night because, I, like I said, I've started watching and getting in, into it. I've done a little couple teasers, uh, and it's um, Creighton beats – beats. no, I don't know if – we'll see. I don't no, know if Creighton it, got beat. No, 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 no. I'm just, well, UConn got beat, and they, and they got beat handily, and it was a couple nights ago because UConn has been such that good dominant team – and I trusted them to win the game, which they ended up not. I just took, like I said, I think it was Creighton that I had that ended up beating their brakes off of them. I mean, I checked the score and it was like 20 points. I was like, well, that's a winner because I'm already catching, like I teased it up, catch 13. Let me check though. But no, I agree with you. This year is wild. Like Tennessee, wild. Had, had, Tennessee has a bad loss in the start of the year, but then the other top five teams also had bad losses at that same time. So it's a wild year. There's not that, that one dominant uh, team. Um, so yeah, it's listen, Kyla, there's been times where the brackets opened up for us and we haven't capitalized, whether it was when we lost to sister Jean or last year when we could have played, you know, we're playing Florida Atlantic FAU. When so, we lost to Michigan, uh, by the way, it was, uh, it was not Creighton. You can't handle Creighton 62, 48. It was, uh, let's see where this is. I'm I, cause now, Oh, it was Seton Hall. It was Seton Hall. No, that's December 20th. I wasn't watching it then. Hold on, people. We'll find this. <laughs> no, it was Creighton. It was Creighton. I was right. It was Tuesday, February 20th. Creighton won 85 to 66. Yeah. And I, and I had turned it on, and I was like, because I had, you know, Creighton kept in 12, and I was like, whoa. So, it's like even UConn can get their butt whipped. So, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's going to be – It's listen, March is always great. I mean, it's always fun. It's just, you know, sometimes it takes me a little longer to get excited for it, but – you know, great. Now it's great because I'm excited for it. And I don't have to wait much longer. <laughs> That's right. It's right here. Yeah, right it's in the corner. All right, finish up with the NCAA. I'm excited to hear what you think about this. Yeah. So, I like I mentioned a little earlier. It's I, you know, I truly think, and it's it's so cathartic to see like the video game coming back in the summer. It it really felt like when I was coming up and getting into college that the NCAA was such a huge corporation villain. No one liked them. They control everything, but man, they were just, they had so much power, so much power over everything. And it was like, it didn't matter if you didn't like them, you had to do what they, what they said. Uh, 
even they if it, are everyone knew it was stupid because they're keeping, you know, Bobby Joe at you know Michigan State and he's ineligible. And it's like, guys, stop. Like yeah. this is stupid. We all know that he should be eligible or or whatever the case might be. And anyway, sorry. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah, they just had idiotic rules that that they they enforced things randomly. It was never a consistent enforcement and you know everyone was in a way kind of scared of the NCAA you can't touch them they're 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 the dictator of this entire sport and i think the first hint of pulling away the veil and pulling away their power was the video game was the wait a second how much money are you guys making on this and you're using to the T from Tennessee, uh, white dude who's 6'4, 300 pounds, who wears this exact stuff, who wears my exact number, and he's on the game, and I have nothing for it. That people were that it finally became apparent after that 2014 video game hey, this is not right. This is not right that. People are, are taking the likeness of every single one of these players and making money off of it, and the players get nothing. And it that, I think, started the weakening of the NCAA and the strengthening of schools and individuals. Um, and then it just got more and more with, with, with uh, you know, universities joining together in different conferences, with – the college football playoffs with Greg Sankey and what he's done with the NCAA or with the SEC. And it real like this past like couple years of I never thought the NCAA would be a place that would just say, Yeah, go ahead, NIL, all yours, just do it, whatever. Yeah, transfer portal, yeah, go right ahead. And it was like, oh, are they they really don't have the power that it they're losing it right now and this felt like a last ditch effort of let me get some of that power back that we've lost over the past decade let let me as an as the NCAA grab that from a school and show all the other schools how much power I can have and Tennessee said f you you ain't touching us. We as a collective will not let this happen. And it's so much more than just the university, just the players, just Nico. It is the entire state, state representatives, political figures, judges. They all came together and said, screw the NCAA. <laughs> We hate them. They're the worst. They don't do their jobs correctly. They mess up consistently. We're not letting them try and take it out on us, try and gain power back that they lost on their own by coming at our university. I think that's the number one thing right there is there's nobody, if we want to sound cool and say the slang, there's no one that fumbled the bag harder than the NCAA. If, if you just scroll back to when we were in school and I, you know, I was a freshman at, in 2010, you're a freshman in 2011. It's like, if they just would have, which shocker, people were greedy. People thought they had power. And it was kind of like, finally the bully, someone, someone stepped up to the bully and he said, give me your lunch money. And they punched him back. And then it was like that bully, the bully was a bully because, um, well, we'll say he's a punk. You know, some bullies can back it up. <laughs> but we'll say he's a punk because he he tried to punk you and you called him out and he he backed down. And it's like because truly these universities and these conferences realize like they could be whatever they want to be without the NCAA. I mean, real, realistically, the NCAA calls and they're like, hey, you can't do that. And they're like, click, we're going to do it anyways. You know, who's going to who's going to stop us type vibe. And and then the what all controls it is money, and the TV money is what matters, and that's what the conferences get. So the, the SEC as a whole could have been like, Greg Sankey could have been like, hey, I need all the coaches, athletic 
people on the phone, hey, I'm just letting you know we're going away from the NCAA. We're going to be the one that signs a massive deal with CBS or ESPN. They're like, okay, cool. Because like the money's right. all- We get more money. Right, exactly, exactly. So if the NCAA could have just not been a bunch of just uh, idiots and and selfish and all that, and and I would be the first one that said three, two years ago, three years ago, I was talking with Tyler- I would talk with you about it. And I was at the side of like, you know, these dudes don't necessarily have to be paid, meaning uh, you just don't have to just pay them willy nilly because they are still getting the scholarship. They are still getting a stipend. I wasn't wanting to prevent them that if Calhoun's wanted to have the offensive line down and give them free meal and pay them each, you know, a couple hundred bucks to do some autographs and sit there and eat, do it like whatever the case may be. I, I didn't care about that stuff at all, but I, I do think it, and, and this is tying back into the video game, like no offense to you, but like that game is going to sell. Tennessee is still going to sell without Kyler Kerberson, the starting left tackle, because if you were the starting left tackle, someone else would be. And yeah. so my thing is about all the money that made, like, realistically, the only people that really, really deserved a ton of the money is the Peyton Mannings, the Reggie Bushes, the Johnny Menzels, the Tim Tebow's, the Cam Newtons, like, the big, big-time players. Because and – I, and I cracked up. Like, I was listening to the radio, and I was listening to uh, Josh, Josh Ward and Jason Swain, and uh, – I disagree with him on some things for sure, but Swain cracked me up actually. And he was like, I cannot wait until some backup guard or backup linebackers like, Hey, $600 and a free copy of the game ain't enough. Like you're, 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 you're um, making money on, on my back. It's like, no, you're a fucking idiot. No one knows who you are. Yeah. Like, take your $600. That's plenty. And your video game and keep it moving because technically the game's going to be awesome and sell no matter really who it is. I mean, honestly, Kyler. I mean, honestly, it, it really is. It doesn't matter if Caleb Williams was a part of the USCT, if it was just some white quarterback that was number two, like right. it, it wouldn't have mattered. It, right. it, it's still USC versus Notre Dame, right? In Dynasty. You get into it, you're two years into it. None of the guys are on the team anymore. So it's like, you didn't even have the names unless you downloaded them. And, and like, some of my buddies were downloading names and other of them didn't care because we knew who it was. I mean, we knew who the players. But I just, like, the game's always going to be bigger than any individual. The universities are always going to be bigger than any individual, no matter what superstar they are. But those guys that I named off, the Johnny Menzels, the Tim Tebow's, the Cam Newtons, the Nico, now Caleb Williams, like, let them make, like, if they want to be on. If someone wants to, Dr. Pepper wants to bring Caleb Williams on. Cool. I, I I don't care about that. Like, if you can make that, I just didn't like it when the entitled that didn't really deserve it. Just because you're a starter, like, great, like, good for you. You're getting a free education. You're getting a stipend. Someone's gonna throw you a little bit. And I think that would be the one thing as a coach that would. And we know that it does bother some people when a guy's like, man, you're a starter, like you're fine, but like, chill out. Like if you want mm -hmm. more money then like get on your social media and get someone to come give you more money, it's not our responsibility. So that's the bad side about it. And that's why I used to argue about like the getting paid and stuff, but um, tied yeah. in NCAA, it's, it's funny how they literally were an empire and now they're, they literally went from an empire to like, they're kind of like in a tent now, bro. Like I don't even know if they even have a tent to be in because it's like, I don't, know what, I don't know what power they have anymore. I don't either. I, I, I mean, they literally have none in the state of Tennessee right now. I mean, and, and like if it came to it this this fall and they try to tell Tennessee that some guy wasn't eligible. Now, academically, I, a, academics, I get it because it's like that's that's a school thing. Like Tennessee doesn't want guys going around even more than they already are, like not doing school or whatever else the case may be. But it's like if the NCAA is like, hey, like that guy got this, weren't you not allowed to play him? Like if I'm Danny White and Donnie Plowman and Josh Hype, I'm like, yeah, he is. Like, what what are you what are you doing? Like, yeah, he's what are you gonna do about it? Type deal. <laughs> so hey, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> uh, it was great. It was honestly, it was great to be back. I hated that I had to leave my uh, 
uh, range, driving range session, but it was fun. Get back out there. Get back out there and do it. Do another one. You need it. You need it. Yeah. If anyone showed up to the range session, like, were you down here hitting balls or were you down here shoveling up sod? (laughs) Just drenched in sweat. Yeah, but taking just massive divots, just chunking it like an idiot. Oh, gosh. But, yeah, I'm excited. We'll be back. I'm excited when we start talking uh, spring ball. I'm going to – I haven't told you yet, but I'm going to tell you now. Like, I I definitely want you to – if we can, for you to come in town, I'll go over to start a practice with you, quote, unquote, media time, so I can be in there for a few minutes, and then I'll I'll leave, and you can stay and do some stuff because I I think it would be a good pod. I mean, I would be excited to listen to what you had to say about certain stuff. Yeah, I'll I'll try – I'll try my best not to just stand next to the offensive lineman the entire practice. Bro, I was talking to Jack about that. Jack asked, like, hey, you're not – he's like, are you going to go to practice? Or And I was like, no, nah, I'm not technically allowed to. And I was like, but I'm going to try to talk Kyler into it. And I was like, but really, I'm going to have to get him notes. And I'm like, I'm going to have to give him notes because I said, we joke about it, but seriously, he's with the offensive line all the time. I literally am watching – I'm the only other one that circles and sees all the other groups and then I come back. But I told I told Jack, I was like, he's not just standing there like just watching. Like, dude is over there. He's talking with Cooper. He's talking with Kate. He's helping Dane Davis. He's helping Ollie. Like he's talking to Darnell Wright. Like you're you're like like I've joked about it. Like you're in there practicing. Kudos to Glenn Ellerby because he was not your coach, but like that he doesn't worry about when you're talking to the whatever. You know, like he's never once come up and be like hey guy who the fuck are you like stop coaching my dudes up but it's like yeah you know so no yeah because i i don't want to step on toes either i i've never like hey do this don't listen to your coach um but i am always just like like i said earlier there are certain things that it's universal keep your head out strong hands inside breastplate have your outside leg split the defender Everyone knows that in a past set. Like every single person knows that. Every single coach coaches that. It's just, hey, here's think of it like this. Understand it like that. Maybe yeah. that it clicks in some guy's head a little bit differently. Yeah. And and Glenn's over there trying to coach up damn 15 dudes. And then they got one GA and he's trying to help. So there's been times we're standing there watching a drill and, you know, Ollie would come over or Cade would come over or Coop would come over, whoever it was, and they would come. And sometimes they're just BS talking. And other times you could tell they were frustrated with, like, getting beat on a rep. And you're like, hey, try this, try this, try this. And I always thought it was cool because I always thought they, you know, uh, were pretty receptive to it, which was cool. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it was great seeing you. You too, brother. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. All right. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening. You're the best. Uh, Couldn't do this without you. It's great to be back. Um, If you are watching, please like and subscribe. Hit that notification bell. Uh, Leave a comment. Love to read through them. Uh, If you're just listening, rate and review, download, re-download, and follow us on all those listening platforms. Also, follow us on social media, at Pancakes and Bacon, uh, on on Twitter at pancakes and bacon underscore RTI on Instagram. And then if you want to follow Reed, he is just at rbacon26 on Twitter. I am at Kyler Kerbison on all social medias. So you can check me out there. Uh, and yeah, just thank you guys so much for being the best fans in the world. And uh, as always, go Vols. Go Vols.